Follow us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You will have to enter that in because the fact that we are adult content means that we have agreed to make ourselves unsearchable on their website. My name is Elle and I'm a sex educator. My name is Jen and I'm a private investigator. We want to learn more about ourselves. I'm like the boring vanilla one over here that's like, I don't do anything, but I'm, cu- I'm curious. And the fact that we're both sex workers means that we have insight into things taboo. Trigger warning, if you're easily upset by this stuff, maybe take a break. I have a feeling this is going to be weird. Sex and politics make for some very strange bedfellows. Hello. Hi. Uh, hi, Layla. Welcome, Layla Hale. Thanks. You, Thanks for having me. Yeah. You are an activist, dancer, and when we say dancer, we don't mean strip club stripper in Portland, which is usually what we mean when we say dancer. <laughs> <laughs> so not not stripper dancer, but dancer. Yeah, not yet anyway. Not yet anyway. Tattoo artist and general rabble rouser. Um, if I may say so, Layla Hale is sometimes here to make you uncomfortable. I'm definitely always here to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so what kind of work are you currently doing or and what kind of work have you done before? Ooh. Like in terms of activism, because act all these words are general, but like tattoo artist, I can visualize that. Dancer, I can visualize that. Yeah, I was about to say I worked for Hot Lips Pizza for like two years. So <laughs> <laughs> y'all really want me to go back deep into my CV. Give me your resume. Um, what kind um, of activism work do you do in Portland? Or you travel sometimes. Yeah, I've only recently begun traveling um, to Brooklyn to kind of expand my practice a little bit. And it's been dope to connect with uh, other artists and organizers out there. Um, Right now, I am the co-founder, co-director of Ori Gallery, which is a gallery on Mississippi in the heart of a gentrified neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, And our aims are to redefine the white cube is our tagline. Uh, We amplify the voices of marginalized identities, uh, POC, people of color, queer folks, trans folks, uh, immigrants, what have you. If you someone has ever told you to shut up and sit down, we will <laughs> amplify your voice. And where are you from? Because you point out the neighborhood in Portland, um, and I definitely know the neighborhood you're talking about, um, only because I was definitely one of those gentrifiers who moved there like eight years ago because I moved in with my husband at the time. And I was like, wow, this is a really rough neighborhood. (laughs) And then when I moved out two years ago, I was like, wow, this is a really touristy neighborhood. (laughs) Have you driven down Alberta lately? Oh, Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, No, I I think it became very apparent that things were different when I remember seeing a huddle of Japanese tourists on their phones going up and down Williams Avenue. Yeah. And I was like, dang, you did not see that before. Okay. And there's nothing on Williams. I'm sorry, but there's like nothing of substance on that street. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Layla, where did you grow up? Uh, I'm a Bay Area kid. I was born in San Francisco and raised in Santa Cruz. Okay. And you've said here before that you didn't have many options for where to move. So you ended up here. Yeah. um, I originally was... (laughs) Which is, like, so a tagline for Portland, like, instead of, like... <laughs> I didn't have any that's, options. That's why I came here. I it was cheaper than... Exactly. It was cheaper than San Francisco. That's why I moved up here. Like, originally, like, my partner at the time and I, they were trying to get a uh, residency in Washington, so we moved to Seattle real quick, and that was a thing all in and of itself. And then, like, nine months later, we ended up moving down to Portland because we had a friend who was going to read, so we're like, okay, we have some family here. We can maybe... Mm-hmm. survive and see what's what mm-hmm. and i kind of got stuck here 15 How, years later oh yeah 15 
Okay, so what what are some more examples of the work that you do? Because I believe, like, I was telling Jen, and I will cut this if it's wrong, but I believe when there was a lot of Black Lives Matter protests in Portland three or so years ago, um, you I saw you posting about being at one of the tables giving out, like, food and supplies. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just stuff you do all the time. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing, uh, I'd say that most of my work concentrates around, like, youth work and, like... Uh, queer and African liberation mm-hmm. work, like anything that centers around that I've uh, touched on or like organized with. Um, I'm just, I don't know, I'm a cripple. So <laughs> like, I'm also like dying very rapidly. So I do have a very deep urgency around my activism. And dying very to, rapidly and yeah. how? Uh, I'm diabetic, I have nerve damage. Uh, I got a lot of shit going on. I got a lot of lumps that are gonna get scooped Aww. out of my body. So like, yeah, I'm dealing with like a cacophony of things, right? Holy shit. Um, so that like, you know, identifying as a cripple, like is also a big part of my activism. I do a lot of disability justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to be clear for our audience, like no one else gets to say the C word unless you can identify with that. I mean, really, that's not a word I would throw yeah. around. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I definitely self-identify as a cripple, which is like specific to folks who have like mobility leg wash- walking issues. Hmm. Um, and I would never even, even if I like knew another person working with a disability who like might identify that way, I would not put that label on them. It's definitely a self-identifier. Mm-hmm. We talk about this stuff in terms of like, you know, sex workers saying ho, H-O, mm-hmm. um, or like John, our editor, um, will text me and if I tell him something he doesn't like, he says gay and he's <laughs> very gay. So I'm like, yeah, that's you. Um, it's really funny when I get, I got a DM from a, someone who follows me on Instagram and it's just like another white lady, you know, like another one of us, but like not really you and me, us, Jen, because she's not a sex worker. She's not a stripper. Um, and she sent me some meme about ho something, something empowerment. And I was really like, hey, I actually don't like receiving things like this from people who have never done the work. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's you just know? like so painfully awkward. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> If one more person sends me a video of a cat that's pole dancing, but it's not really pole dancing. It's just like rubbing itself on the pole. I'm like, that's not, that doesn't even look like a stripping meme. You guys are grasping at straws. Anyway. I used to go to PSU with um, a girl who was actually really mean to me. She was like a real bitch to me, but somehow. Are you just realizing this now? No, I'm not realizing this now, but we somehow were Facebook friends. And I noticed over her last year of school, she got really into sex workers rights. Interesting. even though she had never been one and wasn't even nice to them when she knew them. There, there's I a feel... guilt. There's a guilt there. Now, tell me, as as someone, like, adjacent, like, as an ally to the sex worker community, like, I feel like I witnessed this thing, especially with, like, cis white women, where they'll, like, do this flip where they used to be really whorephobic, but then they're like, eh, women's rights and, like, pussy hats, and then they get, like, really, really into it. Mm-hmm. And then like six months later you'll see them taking pole dancing classes yeah <laughs> like tell me that's not the progression that happens. That's, <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. and that's like that's okay because like we all have to learn things you've informed me of things before i remember i took out god it was that picture that book 12 years a slave and i was mm. having a nice little morning just reading my horrific tale of one man's suffering you know, all around other people's suffering and just like drinking my smoothie. I just took a picture of it and you were like, hey, please don't fetishize black suffering is basically what you said to me. And I was like, oh, my God, I would never. And then I was like, oh, wow. This is a stupid thing to take a picture of, you know, and that was a learning moment for me. But I don't think 
we recognize our blind spots. So I'm trying to be patient with women who are like, I'm into pole dancing. And I'm like, that's cool. Just remember, you don't do what I do. So don't think you understand it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's that like weird disconnect. And I feel like having worked in like uh, burlesque circles a lot, there's a lot of that same weird horophobia that happens. And it's like, y'all, like... It's just like I get it and I see that these same patterns emerging over and over again. But I'm just like, ah, y'all, because like you, you've just seen it so many times. You're like, weren't you paying attention the last time this happened? <laughs> no, you weren't. And that's cool because no one is omnipotent. But I mean, I guess I'm like happy whenever somebody is like trying to expand their mind and trying to understand others experiences. Um, it gets really weird for me when somebody then tries to speak over them. Mm-hmm. Like this girl uh, for, I don't know, her final senior project, like taught a class, a little class about sex workers and I'm like was she no. one but she wasn't one but she wasn't one I was she, like you could have you could like given somebody 50 bucks to come to your class I like, do that <laughs> hello like, I've or been ask, paid to do that yeah. yeah source someone out or I bet one of your fellow students like I think I'm pretty sure she was a women's studies major so mm. I guarantee you there were some other strippers in there who could have talked about it you know mm-hmm. I, I guess I try to be and I'm sure I've done it in the past, and I'm sure I might do it again in the future. And if I try to speak for someone else's experience, I hope somebody takes me aside and mm-hmm. tells me not <laughs> to do that because it's like double vic. I feel like it double victimizes people. It's yeah, like- it's it's yeah, it's this weird like erasure ally cookie thing that happens. Right. Like, okay, I see. You're so close. <laughs> I'm so glad you're on this journey, and you're so close. So. Um, that answers one of the questions I had had because I hadn't actually considered it. Um, but you said you're an ally to sex workers. You haven't done the work. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Just curious. Um, so to that, what do you, do you feel like, because this is a, a sex related show, do you ever feel like the work that you do intersects with sexuality? Oh, absolutely. And we're dealing with like gender and sexual minorities, like as a queer human being on all aspects of that spectrum. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely like deeply, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you and I met, um, I believe I believe we were introduced through a mutual friend, Starling Clark, who's yeah. one of the yeah, other organizers <laughs> of Slut Walk Portland. And you spoke and this was back when you were feminine up. Um, and your gender presentation has changed over time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you actually spoke about that at a panel recently, and I've come back to it in my mind many times, and I've had this come up in conversation before, like people who have shifted their gender identities into passing into either one of the binaries have so much more lived experience and insight into how those people are treated. You said that people treated you differently as a black femme versus now being mistaken for a man. Yeah, and it's not like it's the first thing, first time that's happened. Like there were many times in middle school where I was like a little chunkier and had shorter hair, and people yelled at me for being in the girls' bathroom. Like that sort of training starts really early, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I definitely noticed like if I'm, if it's like winter time and it's bulkier and I seem a little more masculine, and maybe I'm not speaking because I've been told I have a feminized voice or like people mm-hmm. read it as more femme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it shifts like ever so subtly in, in ways that like you you can really only pick up if you've been trained through a lifetime of living through white supremacy and like having to deal with like white folks as dominant culture. Yeah, you had said the example you had given on the panel is maybe worrying about being catcalled walking the streets as a black woman versus or a woman and then worried about someone calling the cops on you while being in your front yard because yeah. they think you're a black man. Yep. 
Yeah, Jen's I like, know. Like, something I'd really say. makes me really sad. <laughs> I mean, so. it's like it's it's two sides of the same co- same coin because we know that like racism is oh. is sexualized <laughs> and sexuality is racialized and the same with any other like you know of that Venn diagram of whatever beautiful snowflake of intersecting identities you have is like <laughs> uh, these these uh these systems of oppression interact with each other and that's very purposeful right because they're meant to reinforce each other right so ori gallery mm-hmm. o-r-i yeah you and who opened this uh, maya vivas okay and what was your aim you said to bring to bring a platform for all those marginalized folks yeah you- we're trying to redefine the white cube mm-hmm. um and that is to say, uh, not a lot of folks know, and we discovered this through our research about like, you know, what do we want this gallery to be? That the um, the framework of having a gallery with like white walls and like whiteness as a neutral is actually rooted in white supremacy. Wow. And um, that's something that the Nazis actually brought in because when you used to um, view art salon style, things would be kind of set up like this basically, and all the art would be you'd have like tons and tons of pieces of art crammed on one wall, which is very like overwhelming and like, ah, but Mm -hmm. like uh, when the fascists came through, they changed that and decided that like white was the way to, holy shit, sparseness and whiteness was the way to present a gallery. And that's actually what that's rooted in, which is why we, um, part of our praxis as uh, gallery owners is that we allow artists to transform the space in whatever way they want. If they're like, my pieces would do better on a wall that's like 30% gray, then we just make that happen because that's what needs to happen. And that's cool. It shouldn't be the default, like white walls shouldn't be the default. That's really cool. So how do you, while navigating all this stuff that we just brought up in the last, you know, 16 minutes, (laughs) um, Jen and I earlier this morning were talking about self-care and just, you know, maybe less booze or less coffee or coffee binges or whatever. Um, do you have some things that you try to come back to to stay rooted or grounded or calm? Uh, breathing. You just yeah, took a nice breath. Breathing. <laughs> Checking in with my body. Um, <sighs> noticing when my when I'm getting agitated or like my uh, pulse is elevated. Um, something came across my my timeline the other day where it was like, if you're reading this, uncrunch your shoulders. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Jen just sat up. Yeah. Oh, God. I almost posted something like that in uh, my Instagram story the other day, and it was going to be specifically pointed at this one lady I'm flirting with, but like everyone else could benefit. But I was going to be like, hey, if you're reading this, sit up straight because your back probably, your posture sucks. Because mm-hmm. how many of us were like, right, you know, especially on our phones? It's like and you're especially reading Especially if on you your have phone. tits, then yeah. you're just going to be like, Bleh. yeah, mm-hmm. big boobs will do it. So breathing, do you feel like in such a white city as Portland that you have enough community or do you, is there like, do you have a good network here? Because you certainly know a lot of people and you're very well connected. Yeah. And I feel like, well, hey, well that's a result of being here for 15 years. <laughs> like, True. Um, I think just a natural part of organizing, like you have to be able to talk to people and make connections and be accountable to keep those connections. So I've done a, a lot of work to build the community that I have. Um, and I think that's something that's kind of deeply embedded in queer culture. Like when you come from, uh, when 
ostracization is part of like your lived experience and part of your culture and like a cultural norm and like it's acceptable for folks to like kick their queer kids out of their house right Mm -hmm. um you learn to find your own family it's just an innate thing like chosen family yeah that's like why gaydar is something that's instinctual because it's like are you a one that's a one like me (laughs) (laughs) are you safe yeah are you safe and um that's also like part of you know being an african in this country it's never like are you a good white person or a bad white person it's like what kind of white person are you like what kind of danger are you going to be like a weird liberal that's going to like silence me and pretend to be an ally or are you just going to try to set my house on fire like Mm -hmm. there's a gamut Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's you know doubled and tripled if you are also queer if you're also trans if you are also Mm-hmm. an immigrant if you're also disabled like you know the more things you stack on top the more that multiplies mm-hmm. Ooh, let's take a break <laughs> <laughs> attention service and sex industry workers seeking space yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your shift with new 3 a.m and 4 a.m class times seeking space is rooted in empathy and they've combined creative flows and experienced teachers to provide a safe, inviting space for any and all wishing to find peace on the mat. Need a little motivation? They are offering 10% off on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and a full list of class times. Passion by Kate is an award-winning resource for women and couples who crave a more intimate, exciting, and fulfilling sex life. Passion by Kate's affirming writing, workshops, and one-on-one counseling help you create a new level of openness and intimacy with your partner without feeling awkward, twisting yourself into a pretzel, or spending hours a day on intimacy-building activities. Learn more and find hashtag freedom and pleasure at Passion by Kate. That's K-A-I-T dot com. Mention this podcast to receive a complimentary 30-minute counseling session when you purchase any Passion by Kate product or service. If you're looking to jazz up a jacket, bag, or just your fine self, our friends at Gimme Flare have everything you could possibly need. Gimme Flare is the largest online retailer of pins and patches that range from the cute and sweet to the snarky and slutty. They are sex positive, queer friendly, and aim to crush mental health stigma, all with fun flair from around the globe. Check out gimmeflare.com to browse items from over 250 plus artists. <sighs> Your website is so beautiful. Thanks, Maya made it. It's gorgeous. Who did the photography? Um, like the photos of you guys. Like a couple the of the wait, which website? The Ori website or my personal website? I think it's your personal website. Oh, okay, um, it's a link. So Ori links from your website. Yeah, um, yeah. On your personal website, like oh, it's gorgeous. The, uh, one of those. This is, is yeah. Gorgeous. That picture is Gia Goodrich, a black femme photographer. Fucking amazing. Her work is like oh. holy shit. Yeah, I think that was for um, that was for Critical Mascara at TBA two years ago. So yeah. I'm gonna leave all that in. We're back. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean it's it's so beautiful. And what? So you, Kuro Tattoo. That's your yeah, Kuru. Kuru. Mm-hmm. Um, was that your that's your shop? Mm-hmm. Like. And do you do any other, so you run a gallery and Mm -hmm. a tattoo shop. Do you do any other 
artistic mediums, be like any physical, anything we can medium. see or buy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you paint? Do you draw? Like, um, you yeah, I mean, drawing is a part stuff? of tattooing, so I draw a lot. Um, I dance. Um, recently started Ariel, which I'm really excited oh, about. That's cool. Especially mm. as like a, a disabled dancer and like trying to like hobble around as a cripple and still like get my get my rocks off as a dancer. It's like. Mm. it's really amazing to like step into a new medium especially one that uh, like allows me to use my legs in a completely different way yeah. i just want to hang upside down like a bat all the time <laughs> <laughs> you're a creature of the night did no. you have any formal training at all in dance or is it just something <laughs> on these streets like <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, oh I yeah a, i was a club kid um that was my access mm, to dance because yeah. i grew up like just not having that access not having a body that i was accepted into formal dancing like no one wants like a fat black kid like that is not something that's going to be accepted in the ballet class or like whatever whatever true so holy I shit took, yeah i took training where i could get it and you know my ancestors trained me <laughs> like yeah. and i i just watched and like absorbed a lot of dance and i think that's what you do when you have an art form that's not necessarily accept accessible to you you just absorb as much as you can and get it get it where you can and like you know, eventually people started paying me for it. So I was like, yeah, Sweet. I guess I'm a professional now. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that I'll first time that. I had that feeling. Oh, that's great. The first <laughs> time like, someone sticks oh. a dollar in your panties, it's like, I'm like, oh, okay. Right? <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so let's do some listener questions. I am in love, real life, big time, might believe in God again type of love with the women of my dreams that I've been friends with for years and met in a market in Oaxaca in the most serendipitous series of events. I know a bit about her sexual past. Several of those men and women are in the mutual friend circuit that she introduced me to, and I am jealous. I get the snot of jealousy when I think of her with other people, and it goes against everything I have tried to become as a person who would never shame or care about someone's sexual history. I thought I was better and more feminist than this. I would never say anything negative to her about it because I really don't care. Obviously, she, you do. Right. Because you're writing to us about this. Um, <laughs> and it hor- makes you feel horrible. Right. She's, she's a goddess and I'm overwhelmingly lucky to be her partner. But my gut feeling makes me feel like I am contradicting who I thought I was. I haven't been in love for many years or in love like this ever. And I know for sure she is crazy in love with me, too. And of course, I have my extensive history as well. So what the fuck is wrong with me? I have this jealousy that makes me nauseated and then I feel worse for feeling jealous in the first place. I mean, Ugh, I definitely uh, think you should keep that to yourself. Well, I, okay. Yeah, well, I'm that's what like, I think. Are y'all okay? Like, <laughs> there's just so many things in there. A of all, this chick is great, but she's not a goddess and you need to stop. Like, like you can be like, oh, I worship you. You're so great. But like, get yourself out of that dichotomy of like elevating someone to such heights that you feel like such shit for having normal human emotions. Mm. Jealousy is normal and you need to normalize it. Like the idea that jealousy is somehow linked to the quality of your love, either positively or negatively, is total and utter bullshit. And you need to just like it's normal and you have to talk about it. You have to say, hey, it kind of makes me jealous that, you know, you fucked Brad, like, even though it was five <laughs> years ago and I have feelings about it. And she'll be like, oh, yeah, that probably makes sense because, you know, humans are humans and we're jealous of things. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this, like, this idea that, like, jealousy makes you a bad person is just so self-defeating and just, like, stops you from actually, like, 
addressing this totally normal human emotion that every single human on the planet has ever had. Mm -hmm. like. Yeah, I, I asked, so I got this as an email and I asked this person some questions. I said, you don't have to answer these to me, but I would like you to sit with them and perhaps see if you can answer them for yourself. But I said, um, would you would you prefer that she does not have positive interactions with any of her exes? Um, would you prefer that she does not have um, the, uh, would you prefer that she would not introduce you to the people in her past? Would you prefer that she didn't have a sexual history at all? Like really, these are, these are real questions because like you said, jealousy is normal. And I always think it's cute in the way that it's brought up if a person says to me, you know, I actually, I'm really embarrassed, but I kind of hate the thought of someone fucking you better than me, and it makes me feel jealous. And I'll be like, okay. Why doesn't that just make you fuck somebody better? Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> like That's just like my immediate question. Be, is like, be motivated. Yeah, like when you know better, you do better. Like bring up. Like, <laughs> I guess I just come from a place where I guess jealousy has wreaked so much havoc and the really – a lot of the relationships I've had where it's gone like far beyond just talking about it and like it's been I don't know a weapon to control someone else mm. and something that's been flung in my face so I get really wary about it and I like I mean of course I feel jealousy but I never I'm like oh god like I do not like I keep that shit to but myself you don't talk and about try it. to deal with it because I don't unless somebody else is deliberately doing something to get mm -hmm. a rise out of me and that's a problem Okay, then yeah, I that's a difference. That, like, that's emotional manipulation. Right? Like. Then usually a lot of the times, like, the problem has been with me being insecure. You're right. And probably from putting someone on a pedestal and, like, not being on an equal ground. Or they've felt really insecure and have, you know, mm -hmm. have tried to hold me accountable for shit that I haven't done. Yeah, I mean, so, jealousy makes you do weird-ass shit when you don't just, like, <laughs> oh let it God. be. Because when you look at the root of what is jealousy, it's when you think that someone else is getting something that you want. Mm. or getting something that you're not like, yeah that's or taking something that you own yeah trying to take something you yeah. own which is, we're digging to our notions of ownership yeah <laughs> <laughs> i that was another thing i asked him i said do you have such a do you have such a fear of of the scarcity of like losing this person that it's causing you to like have more anxiety about it than is necessary <laughs> You know, like, oh, my God, I'm experiencing all these great feelings and sex and companionship and touch and laughter. And like, of course, you don't want that to go away. And you see other people come around where they're like, oh, they've had access to all of this, too. Is this going to affect my ability to have access to all of these things? It's like, well, probably not if she's comfortable enough to bring you around her friends and her exes. You know, like I co-parent. So anyone's going to have to be OK with like me having birthed a child from someone else's come you know and like mm -hmm. that's a real problem for some men they're like well it's not my offspring so you have people who never fully attach to women they date anyway that's like a thing and like mm -hmm. that is the most extreme form of weird jealousy to me have you never thought about that no yeah <laughs> dating while parent or parenting while dating dating while parenting yeah good times I'm sorry y'all yeah, oh that shit okay. is hard <laughs> Like, mm -hmm. like that's why it takes a village. It really like, does. <laughs> it so does. And people discount that. That's really why it takes a village. It's because yeah. people be fucked up. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's why I have dogs and not relationships oh, at this God. point. I'm like, yeah, it uh, just seems like sometimes like cis dudes have this really weird separation between like 
what is a human and what is a woman like <laughs> like they don't like see women as human beings with like Feelings. body parts and like farts and like babies <laughs> and like all that shit right like yeah tampons fucking yeah. blood oh clots God. y'all like humans have bodies like have you seen the disgusting shit that your bodies do oh yeah <laughs> like bodies are so the thing the disgusting things that cis men's bodies do are common knowledge from like infancy i can't remember a time when i didn't know what penises did mm. but it took me years to find out about my own fucking vagina right like mm-hmm. right like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like totally. why can everyone recognize a dick and balls graffiti but no one can recognize the clit totally like, i feel like that gets more exacerbated as we age oh, too yeah. like men seem to be so horrified of what happens to women's bodies as we get older like oh my god a chin hair sprouted like oh <laughs> disgusting you know and i'm like so Sorry what? for like, living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pluck it. Like, what, what do you want me to do? Like, I will it, tickle you with it. It happens. Um, like, so let's see if we can give this person any advice they can take with them. Um, Layla and I think that you could bring it up with your partner if you acknowledge, not that she has to solve anything for you, but just be like, I would like to make myself vulnerable and I feel really insecure about this. And I'm sorry for feeling insecure about this because you deserve better. You shouldn't have to deal with me feeling insecure about this. That's what I think. And I, well, and I guess Jen thinks that if you can't, if you look inside yourself and you find that you can't bring it up without being accusatory. Then don't. Or, or without not dropping it once it's been addressed, you know, then maybe see somebody about that. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Go to therapy. Get your ass to therapy. Yeah. yeah if you right. can afford it, please. Or like <laughs> talk to your mom or something. I don't know. Do like, not talk, talk to Don't put that labor on another woman. Jesus Christ. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> Address your internalized toxic masculinity. Get a therapist, A of all, no matter what. If you want to be with this woman and you really fucking love her, like, don't put all of your emotional labor on her and get a goddamn therapist. Like, fair nice. enough. Nice. First and foremost. Nice. Second of all, like, be okay with yourself being a human being with feelings and, like, don't be, A of, like, shaming yourself for the feelings that you have, like, is the first step to, like, detriment. Like, because, mm-hmm. you know, like, your feelings are your feelings. You, they, are, they are okay because they exist and they're yours. Mm-hmm. What you choose to do with them is, like, where mm-hmm. that's the meat of it. That's the crux of it is what you, how you choose to address them. Yeah, and that's how you can be a better person mm-hmm. and make the world a better place. Yeah, vulnerable men are hot. Oh, my God. Yes, vulnerable <laughs> people are hot. That's my big thing. I'm big right now is, like, say you're sorry and then tell me how you're not going to do it again. Like, well, explain to me, like, how... <laughs> How you're going to be accountable in the future? Yeah, going I don't forward. want to hear you're sorry. I want to see you're right, sorry. Right. Be like, I have this plan. I, was, I'm I want my Venmo to see how sorry you are. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, does this fall under reparations? Because um, Layla, right? It's like not just an apology is not enough. Mm-hmm. Sorry I'm about actually, racism. I have a medical fundraiser coming up for all the things that need to get scooped out of my body, and one of the things I'm giving to people who contribute is a little button that says your thoughts and prayers won't save us. Oh my God, what is okay? You don't have a link to this because I will promote the shit out of that. I mean, it's not up yet, but my cash tag is L-E-I-L-A-B-E-A-N. Bean. Got mm-hmm. it. All right. Cash tag and Venmo. Hit me up. Nice. <laughs> Leave that. All of that is going to stay in there. I... I'm like, I think I can write that off. <laughs> off of my huge tax bill. Oh, oh yeah. Right? Do it. All right. Next question. We have another cis male in here. Um. <clears throat> I am a 42-year-old cis male, been married for 23 years. For most of my life, I was a pretty aware and decent human. However, in eighth grade, I was an asshole. 
Actually, I was an asshole for pretty much all of junior high and high school to some degree. But eighth grade, I was an ass-grabbing asshole. Basically, for a few months in eighth grade, a friend and myself made a game of grabbing various girls' asses in a crowded hall and seeing who they would turn around and blame. It was shitty at the time, and later I apologized to some of the girls I still knew. Apologizing 25 years later, is there any benefit to the girls, now women, that I did that to? Or more chance of benefit than harm? Uh, I don't know what that means, that last line. Um, What can reformed and regretful perpetrators of any form of sexual assault, or any assault really, say or do to affect change either directly for their victims or society at large? Is it any different than what everyone should be doing? There's a lot there. No, there's so well, much there. don't worry. You can still be a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My first reaction was like, you're probably still an asshole. <laughs> All right. Yeah, right. All right, Brett Kavanaugh. I see but what like, you're doing here. Yeah. The thing is. Hmm. I really struggled I over this question. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, the, the things that come out to me are like the part like reformed. Mm-hmm. Kind of like reminds me of like when people try to like. It's like performative wokeness. Mm-hmm. Like, who who gets to say you reformed, sweetheart? Who said your work was done? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, your work is done when you're dead. <laughs> like, literally, your work is done when you're dead. Mm-hmm. Like, just like all white people are racist, like all men are misogynist because we were raised in the society together. No one escaped that, right? So, like, your work is done when you're dead. You still have work to do. Mm-hmm. Like, not only is your work to be accountable to the people that you harmed, which is like, oh, my God, leave those women alone. It's been 25 years. That is only going to inflate your own ego. That's for you. That's not for them. You can like secretly send them money and like never have your name attached to it. And that would be fine. That can ease your conscience. (laughs) (laughs) But like that's all about you and your ego. It has nothing to do with them and their healing. Like don't open up these wounds for these do you think he like wants some kind of absolution from this yeah woman. guess what it's you don't like, get that okay. you get to be uncomfortable for the rest of your life now because you're an asshole that's your fucking absolution y'all like <laughs> <laughs> like that's it it's lifelong work like, i wish he had included some yeah. examples of how he i mean that's the other thing is you say he's reformed jen or in you the need process, to be closer to the microphone or in the process of reforming but like how did you read a book did you take you know i don't know like what it, what did you do that makes you so different now? Like what changed you? Because at least that, if there was something meaningful that worked for you to see how what you've done is wrong, it would be nice if you shared that with other people who are maybe struggling with being assholes Mm -hmm. themselves. Yeah, you need to go gather your cousins. Go find every other asshole out there who's still playing ass grab or making rape jokes or like doing shitty shit and being misogynistic and fix them. Yeah. Right. Take care of your cousins. That's your job. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm kind I'm glad that you offer a different perspective on don't contact the women, Layla, because it caused me to reflect on, I have had, okay, so a guy who raped me in high school, he committed suicide a couple of years ago. I found Ooh. out it made me feel none the better. It made me feel better because I was like, well, he can't hurt anyone anymore. But then it made me think like, wow, there's a ton of other shit that must've been going on. Um, and it also didn't change anything for me. Um, And I'm thinking about the guy who hit me up to like lead him around Portland on a tour. And I said, hey, you actually like made me really uncomfortable and kind of bullied me. And he's like, oh, I'm really sorry. And he apologized and then thought we'd be cool. And I was like, yeah, that didn't do anything for me. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I guess I really agree. Like you don't need to reach out because I can't say that it made me feel any better. Just brought it up. 
Um, I mean, that's different for every survivor, right? Like true. some folks would like the closure and, and some folks would like to hear like, oh shit, I fucked up and now I'm in therapy and like doing whatever to try and make my life better. And mm-hmm. that would be a great fucking, you know, reductress story or whatever. Like, but I mean, maybe if you run into them and you're like forced to interact, mm-hmm. then maybe that might be an appropriate time to be like, hey, I know you probably aren't choosing to be around me, but. How do you even find a mediator? Like, yeah. ask your therapist if they know somebody who can contact them instead. Like, don't make direct contact. Like, hmm. So when I was in kindergarten, I remember Friday flip-up day was the day that the boys mm-hmm. tried to flip up all the little girls' skirts. You say, mm-hmm. Was yep, this a- that, yeah, that was a thing. Wow. I, I grew up in um, San Diego County. So it's... Uh, was this a California Apparently thing? it was a California sexual assault tradition. <laughs> like, national. Let's go national. I was like, wait. Okay, so just California, you and me. I want to hear from listeners if you ever played that game. But I was always on the boys team because I wanted to be a little boy for a long time in my life. And um, I actually went by a boy's name and I dressed that way. And it was very much more comfortable for me. So I identified in that way. And I think about that a lot because I was like, why was I doing that? I was five, six years old. But that's just what the boys did. And we didn't, you know, again, see the girls as other people where that could make them uncomfortable. Do you know what they did in my school? What? This was really awful. So this was like early 90s. I guess this is more like middle school, but pantsing Pantsing. was a big thing. Everyone was wearing like baggy elastic waist pants. And that that was a deeply humiliating thing. I remember that happening to me. I was not cool. And I remember that happening to one of my best friends, like at a school dance that someone Mm -hmm. came up behind her and like, pants the fat nerd you know and it was like deeply humiliating for her and just yeah i can imagine luckily only the boys i ever saw the only saw the boys pantsing each other but i don't know i mean what is it about five and six year olds that know that it's quote funny to lift up someone's clothing i mean that behavior doesn't come from nowhere right and (laughs) and also like like like, whose kid is this like right um I think don't consider yourself reformed. You're not. Neither am I. (laughs) We all have shit we have to work on because we're raised in a really unhealthy society. Um, So, yeah, keep doing your work. I would say seek out writing, music, art from people who aren't white men because the majority of these things are white men. I mean, look at film, obviously. Yeah, and just continue to try to just be a better person and how you can um, indirectly, like, instruct other men to behave or directly very direct if you're gonna call someone out on their shit like be direct about it mm-hmm. don't be like oh i think maybe some people could be like no like what you did was shitty mm-hmm. don't do it again this is why mm-hmm. here's what you could do better mm-hmm. because think- people need to know how to do better if they already don't know what to do yeah. in the first place and it's important to remember that like yes while it's e- really easy to get aggressive and like angry about these things because it's like it's serious shit like feedback is a gift and it should be taken and received as such. Like, mm-hmm. And with that, let's go to our second break. Hey friends, do you get sore muscles or stiff joints like us? How's your skin? Is it dry, itchy, irritated, bruised, or sunburnt? If so, it sounds like you need some Nabalm in your pocket. Nabalm, that's N-A-E-B-A-L-M, is an all-natural skin and body balm handmade right here in Portland. Nabalm products use a base of organic olive oil and beeswax followed by an infusion of therapeutic essential oils, each of which provides all sorts of benefit. Oh yes, and they smell amazing. To learn more, check out nabalm.com or search Nabalm on Facebook or Instagram. 
Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. All right, so welcome back, everyone. We're going to speak with Layla for our last segment and then go on over to patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. Good. Yeah, go over there and give us a dollar and you can hear the stuff that we're not going to put in this episode. I'll say stuff about butts. Ooh, butt stuff. We can talk about butt stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about butt stuff, and I want to talk more shit on bad restaurants yeah. in Portland. Oh, my God, Well, yes. if we have to beep it. <laughs> on problematic, problematic. I am ready to go off. Yo, okay, yo, we can yo. do that. Uh, there, It's funny. I was at a bar last night environment with six other women, white women, very straight women. I was the most, like, a couple things came up where they were telling stories about how they'd gotten hit on by a girl in a bar, and I was just like, <laughs> cool i'll make sure that i don't mention i fuck women now that we're all comfortable here um anyway but wow. still like you were saying earlier hanging out with very moderate white women can still be better than hanging out with someone who might rape me mm-hmm. so so i was doing a little cocktail party and um we went outside and there was a man who walked across the street this was 28th and gladstone and he walked over from his bar he runs over. He's like 6'2". He's a redhead. He's got a Native American chieftain emblem on his sweater. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, hey, can I hang out with you guys? And he's I looked like at him. He's a brochure. He says, can I hang out with you guys? It's like 11 p.m. It's dark. I said, no. And the girls kind of like nervously giggle. And he's like, oh, well, okay. And he's standing there. And so long story short, it started with that. It... <laughs> there was a nice little uh what's the thing in the middle when you're in between shows what's the intermission the intermission mm. was when he returned the second time to tell me that i was being a bitch for not letting him hang out with us because there's <sighs> nobody at that bar and he's lonely and that's not our responsibility so i said i'm feeling uncomfortable we're all feeling uncomfortable i'm gonna count to three please start walking away so you don't make this a bigger issue Count to three. He's shouting across the street. The only reason I don't do anything to you about this, he says, is because you're a woman. So basically, the only wow. reason you're not going to fight me on this street is because I'm a woman. Cool. Which means when I walk to my car later, I'm going to make sure you don't rape me and strangle me because I'm a woman. So just like that guy right there and the sheer entitlement, like some of those dudes are just never going to get it because we told him multiple times, we're uncomfortable. We said no. Why are you still here? <laughs> and I don't know what else we could have done, honestly. So when we talk about communicating with people, just remember some folks are a lost cause and I hope they die soon. I guess one of the only, one of the advantages of, of kind of being erased as a woman as I age, mm. woman is I don't really get that. I don't get as much, have as many of those interactions anymore. Like the alpha males aren't trying to come hang out with me anymore, which is kind of Alpha nice. males we put in quotes because right. they're not real like good leaders or like dominant Want to be out? Al- want to be alphas? Yeah. When I say dominant, it means but, yeah, you can I like don't, manage the people any, around I've you. I've aged out of that, and they leave me the fuck alone, which is nice. That's yucky. Um, so let's talk about these safer, safe slash safer injection sites. Layla, do you you must know something about these? In Vancouver, BC, there's one called Insight, 
and it has seen... I've actually been there. Have you been here? Well, so I've been there. So um, as far as I know, so in Vancouver, it's set up. There's East Hastings Street, I believe, is the name of... It's like the street slash district where all this... They've concentrated all the social services and like uh, the injection sites and all that in this one area of town so they can theoretically serve people better. The best, yeah. And honestly, it kind of works. I played... Um, I used to sing for a punk band uh, years ago. and My band played at Distort Fest up in Vancouver. Hmm. And the club that the fest was being held at was kind of at on the outskirts of East Hastings. So I got to see it firsthand and, and walk around and... Oh, I think it sounds amazing. It is pretty amazing. I mean, it's sad because there's it's a huge concentration of like homeless people and people in all kinds of pain. But I mean, at the same time, they're at least getting their needs met somewhat by their government. So it says to ours that doesn't really seem to care. So the staff there, many of them are active drug users as well. And they do that so it can be a peer-to-peer environment. Mm-hmm. It says that since opening the facility in 2003, they have supervised more than 3.6 million injections and responded to more than 6,000 overdoses. Not a single person has ever died there. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting because, of course, when this opened, people said, uh, you know, opponents said that it was going to increase the likelihood of people injecting oh, or lure people into using they're fucking doing it anyway i might as well like help them oh my god i feel like people who like to be like wrong and strong about that shit like have never actually worked with addiction specialists or worked with addicts or worked with like i don't know actual tangible data about addiction mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like just shut up and give people houses and food like <laughs> it's just everyone shut up and give people houses and food and well, watch how quickly that problem i mean goes it's away. nice to say True. that well people should pull themselves up by their bootstraps but they're not and it doesn't work that way so if it's not reality then why make policy based on something that doesn't work yeah like one of my favorite activists says uh fuck your bootstraps we built this country with our bare feet Mm. and i like i always just like to bring that up i forget her fucking name okay i'm a terrible person that's okay um but google it do your work and (laughs) (laughs) be better than me google it Yeah, just like that whole bootstrap mentality is so flawed and so violent and just so wrong. It's just wrong. (laughs) Just people need to stop using that shit. It just perpetuates so much harm and shifts so much blame onto individuals rather than looking at the systems that put people in this scenario to begin with. Like, Mm -hmm. if we had a functioning government with a functioning infrastructure that actually served its people, we would not have drug problems. Like, point blank. Mm-hmm. And hello, Republicans. It actually saves money mm-hmm. in the long run, long term, yeah. to treat people where they're at. Yeah, harm it's reduction. Cheaper, but yeah. Oh, but then they would have to like actually pay attention to like black and brown and poor people. <laughs> Speaking <Nah>. of, <laughs> no, you're better as prison cheap prison labor for yeah. their <laughs> like. Uh, do you guys do you remember when we a few years ago under Obama heard that Harriet Tubman was going to be gracing the 20 instead of Andrew Jackson? Oh, my God. And I thought, I don't know, man, we'll see. Well, sure enough. So the U.S. Treasury Department under Trump said, no, nah, we're not going to do that anymore. Also, like, just fuck that idea to begin with, because like when you are money. When the government uses you as money, (laughs) you don't want to be on that shit. She was a fucking abolitionist. (laughs) Hello, she waged, she stole herself from the government. (laughs) 
She does not want to be on your fucking money. <laughs> I love have I love talking to Layla because it's like this. Yeah, this is the stuff a lot of people don't think about, or when the I uh, didn't think about that, but it's awesome. Like, it makes so much sense she, now. She was an enemy on the state. I think she was like one of the first people who could be like considered like on the FBI's most wanted list. Like, oh, totally. Fucking and then, read about Harriet Tubman. Like, and while we're on the topic, <laughs> while we're on the topic of things that should be reframed. How do you feel about uh, trans people being barred from the military, Layla? Uh, How do you I, feel about the military, Layla? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there was a huge outrage from the LGBTQI community. I don't speak. Some folks. <laughs> some folks, right. And this is such a divided, interesting issue. And someone as me who has like no experience in the armed forces and like very peripheral in the LGBTQI because hello, I'm a white femme. Um, so I'm just watching this conversation and there's the people who are like, I should be able to serve. And then there's people who's like Layla, which I more identify with. It's like, why would you want to support imperialism at yeah, all? I just like. Uh, so uh, my grandfather came up um, through the military and the Air Force is an amazing fucking human being who just died this last January. Hmm. And the man has two PhDs, lived through Jim Crow. Damn. And like barely escaped being like a Tuskegee airman like seriously wow. like when you think about like the historical context and look at that timeline and so like I understand why folks would be a part of the military and I understand the forces that push people into that so I'm not gonna be like fuck everybody in the military and da da da, da. that being said fuck everybody who supports imperialism because like I know plenty of folks who are in the military for various reasons and still don't support it and can't speak out against the things that they hate because mm -hmm. now you're intrangulated with the fucking government, right? And mm -hmm. so you have all of these things that you have to do for your own safety and for the safety of your family. Mm -hmm. Like I, this shit is complex and I get that. But I just like don't fuck with folks who are just like die hard. I should get to serve my country because who are you serving? Mm -hmm. Like serving your military is not serving the people. Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> like, so many good mic drops. Oh, my gosh. I would never. This is expensive equipment. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for coming on. We're going to stick around for about 10 more minutes for the after show. You can go to patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows to hear it. Um, uh, so Layla, email Layla. Hello at LaylaHale.com. I'm going to spell your name. L-E-I-L-A-H-A-I-L-E. -E. All right. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on, Layla. Thanks for having me. It was great. For more Strange Bedfellows, check us out on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and become a supporter for access to behind-the-scenes material and extra content. My name is Elle Stanger, and you can find me at stripperwriter.com and on Instagram at stripperwriter. And my name is Jen. You can reach me on strangebedfellowspdx.com. 